I feel like that's something I need to wake up. I feel like I need to, I think I should stay in for that. It's kind of fun. It's, it's okay. kind of cool. You know, it's um, it, it, it's the read and sue that you want. Okay. Like, Shade, like, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> everybody welcome back to another relaunch this is lz hey everybody it's keenan how you doing keenan i'm doing very well yeah yeah how, how was your holiday it was it was good it was calm i did a lot of zoom stuff with family so i didn't have to give out any gifts which was great um but i did take the time to just like read a bunch of comic books and we're gonna talk about that a little bit later i know but it, yeah, it was it was a, it was a lot. It's the year of realizing things. <laughs> it's definitely been the year of realizing things. Um, I know we're definitely going to get into that a little bit later because um, that touches on something. But let's get into the comics of the week. So I had a really short list. Um, it just oh, one book for me this week, and it was oh my Excalibur. god, same. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah, that was the only book I had this week. <laughs> so Excalibur, uh, written by Teeny Howard with art by Marcus Tobe. Toe? Is it two or toe? I feel like I was getting it wrong. Um, this was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've i been like kind of wavering on Excalibur pretty much mm-hmm. throughout the series. Uh, kind of like I said, the, the times where I've enjoyed it have been where I fill in the blank because I know who Betsy is as a character. Yeah. So, you know, I have that history with her during like the Claremont era, but I feel like, I don't know, this issue for me just kind of like, I'm, I'm starting not to really care. <laughs> so I will agree that like, I feel like a, a lot of this book has kind of depended on the reader being able to fill in the blanks of where the story should be. And there's a lot of things that happen that don't necessarily feel earned I think a big emphasis on that would be Richter's reaction to Apocalypse and just like how upset he is that he's gone. One, I will say it was extremely funny to watch Rogue and Gambit kind of like shut him down every time he got up in arms about it. And they were like, yeah, it's funny. He chose to leave. (laughs) Like he went to go be with his wife. You need to calm down. Yeah, I mean, this book opens with, you know, uh, Rogue and Gambit having breakfast and uh, Jubilee is like, walking with Shogo and all of a sudden she runs into Richter and he's like, like just, trying to perform some like makeshift spell because he's sad over Apocalypse. Yeah. It's like, what? And it's like one of those things where that is a big part of where you kind of filled it in because I realized again when I kind of reread the previous few issues, a lot of Richter and Apocalypse relationship has been told to us. It's mainly just been Richter kind of telling us how we should trust Apocalypse, how great Apocalypse is. And any moments they have together, it's really just kind of Apocalypse doing his weird manipulations to get him to do whatever he wants. So Richter having such a harsh reaction to that, while believable, doesn't really feel earned because you never actually see what they do together that makes them grow so much. We hear about Richter and now he's kind of taken on the role as the head wizard knowing all the stuff about the grimoire but it's like when did you and apocalypse actually ever talk about this like when did he teach you how to do this like where are those moments of you two bonding and filming this i mean excuse me forming this really deep relationship it's just not there i will say that this issue is a little bit better and that 
you get some more character voices, Rogue especially. I think Megan was nice. Yeah. I think the, I think Teeny does the entire Bridek family actually pretty well. I don't know. I thought that um, that <laughs> Megan's daughter <laughs> was weird. Well, that's, she gave me think, like Stewie vibes. That's well, that's her thing. Like I think it was an X Men Gold Annual or something when she first appeared, and the whole thing is supposed to be that she talks like an adult. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's supposed to be like I don't know if it's like her fairy, some mutant otherworld, whatever. But she's supposed to talk like a grown adult, or she's supposed to have an extremely high intellect. I think she's giving like Valeria Richards a little bit. Okay, it was just her walking around and speaking like that. She was like, yeah. like <laughs> I think it's Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like whoa, okay, here's this child. Um, I also think Teeny did Sinister really well. I think actually, oh yeah, does Sinister well. So. I enjoyed that. I felt as though that's where the issue kind of improved. But like you said, I think still I'm not a big fan of the costumes. No, uh, I hate that. I not, hate, yeah. The other world suits are like awful. They're awful. Yeah. And you know, and I think that's another big problem with the book. I think Toe is a really great artist. And I even when I go back and read X Men Blue when he was doing the art on that book, I think it was a lot stronger than this one. And I think it's just because I don't know, maybe he's not pushing himself with just other world in general. It's very basic Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. Mismatched, ugly kind of stuff. And it's like, you think about the way he draws Otherworld compared to like Pepe on X of Swords, which was like this great, fantastic place. And it's just like, mm. so I think this story kind of suffers from both a little bit of the writing and a little bit of the art, but I have to stick this arc to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do want to see what's going to go on there because they, you know, have been trying to figure out where Betsy's been this entire issue. And they yeah. were doing their whole like mutant magic spell kind of. I guess we kind of finally got to see a little bit of a, I was about to say, yeah, I means. like that we actually got to see mutant magic. And again, it kind of goes back to the book and how like we're gonna we gotta piece things together like mutant magic isn't actually magic it's more so kind of like mutants using their powers together in harmony like how mutant technology like concept, was yeah yeah it's a concept and it's like mm, that should have been explained a little bit better throughout the beginning <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um because again it's like we had to fill that in ourselves and even you think about the first time that they did a spell together back in i think it was issue seven or eight and no excuse me nine it was after the warwolf arc so they like did the spell to make the head light up and you were kind of wondering like okay what did they do and so this one i think was the next step in that where it got explained a little bit more but it was also still kind of like okay what are they doing yeah <laughs> how did this work? yeah maybe we're gonna get more with that as this as this goes on i do like the exploration of like mutant magic and kind of what that means i was expecting it to be a superpower you know kind of like the it was just going to be an ability but yeah this is also an interesting concept i'm i'm interested to see where it goes i just need this to be a little bit like tighter on with 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 the writing um how did you feel about go ahead a couple of like Jubilee can go like there's absolutely no reason for her to be yeah she could go I'm sorry <laughs> like she, it's she just can like, go I get what Teenie was trying to do like she had to have her dragon again I think that entire role could have been filled by anybody else we could have had like Pixie come in and turn into a dragon or something I don't know but like Jubilee it's just like the girl has no point in this book yeah yeah outside of like nostalgia I guess or I don't know 
I don't even think it's that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. She could she could definitely go. Um, yeah. how did you feel about the who Betsy woke up to in her bed? Uh, whatever. It's whatever. That's <laughs> that's nostalgia right there. <laughs> okay. That that is nostalgia. You know, so I apologize to any Betsy Warren fans, but I do not see it. I think it first of all. Betsy has horrible taste in men. Like that's just like kind of a canon fact. Like the girl yeah. does not go up; she goes down. And <laughs> and I think Warren. I think her entire relationship with Warren was like always kind of hollow from the beginning. It was very much like these are the two hot people. They're both rich. Let's put them together. And you know, you try to give them this trauma this similar trauma of they've both been transformed and manipulated by outside forces, but it's kind of like where Betsy consistently tried to heal and get better from hers in a sense, Warren just like doesn't. And at some point it's just like, all right, now this is a little toxic. <laughs> you need to get away <laughs> from it. <laughs> um, it's a little codependent. And so I just, I don't really see the great love that people see for that one. Yeah, I mean, I think they just like look good together, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they're very pretty. Hey, they're <laughs> and then also, <laughs> and it's just like Warren is the worst ex character. Let's talk, like, hands down. We'll have to have that discussion. I know we'll have to have that discussion. You're about to get me started. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that was my only book of the week. I I'm still I'm still into Excalibur. We'll see where this whole thing goes. I hope to see their some kind of revelation that like Betsy has as far as her Captain Britain role goes. Um, yeah. So. We'll see. I, we'll I, see. I also I also like the little part about like the other captains kind of like saying like, yeah, we're kind of worried about her too. We'll go looking for her. It's like, thanks guys. That was fun. The yeah. entire Captain Britain corpse is mutants. That's pretty cool. That's so. cool. Uh, I would like to, I wonder, does that mean anything? Like, is that like a big... You know, I'm not really into like the whole Captain Britain course, so I don't know if that's like a big. I'm not point. really into the corpse. I think it's just, I think it's just a fun way to like kind of further cement mutants' place in other world. Yeah. It's like they own it; they kind of run it a little bit. It's great. So, what else uh, have you been reading recently? I heard you say that you were, you know, yes, getting into something. So, so originally my plan was to kind of go and. Uh, you know, kind of like I did a few weeks ago, pick up some books that I hadn't been reading or that I was like interested in. But when I was yeah. going through the releases of the week, nothing was jumping out at me. Like there was King in Black and like some DC Endless Winter stuff and um, a couple of the Image and Boom books were like very far ahead. I was like, I can't just quickly jump into that. So I've been watching the show called Devs that my friend Dre put me on to. Shout out to him, Lunatic Dre on Twitter. I think there's an underscore in there somewhere, forgive me. <laughs> and um, it's kind of like this very high sci-fi concept show on Hulu, partnering with FX. And so it like, when I got to my point, I was like, I want to read some comics. I started doing that. And so I went back and I reread Ewing's Ultimates. And- I still need to read that. You know, it's good. It's, so, and this is what I say, a big part of why I always go back to read that book I realized is Blue Marvel and Spectrum and their relationship. I think okay. he writes them like amazingly. And because there's this really, I want to say high aura of distrust and skepticism among, among the Ultimates team. So 
kind of reading them together, it's like, oh, you guys are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like Blue Morrow and Spectrum are like, just kind of like very genuine in what they're doing. And they kind of start building this love fair. And so like, as I'm reading this book, I realized I'm like, oh, wow, I really like Blue Marble. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's new. Normally, you know, hey, yeah. You don't normally come up here and, and um, into the super powered yeah. area. <laughs> you know, it was just like, I was just kind of like, I really like Blue Marvel. I like the way he kind of, he is this hugely overpowered character, but he's very much like, I don't want to use my powers. Like I got a brain. I'm not here to fight. I can do this. I can science this problem away. We can fix it. And in that same vein, he's very much like, if you don't want him to do that, do it that way he won't do it and he's just like okay i'm not going to do it and you can't really go up to him and be like make him do it and he knows that so it's yeah, like yeah. you he's know I, I, you I, yeah <laughs> he's like if i want to go sit in my house and like do nothing for the rest of my life i'm going to do that and you cannot stop me and i really appreciate that type of bold defiance in the character so i mean what's not to relate to that you know <laughs> you know it's just like i love it um and so then i was like okay i was like what else has blue marvel been in so that sent me down to Mighty Avengers. That was a fun series. On, yes, also written by Ewing. And, and so this was a big part of it too. Like I started realizing a lot of the stuff that I really enjoy him in, I realized had been written by Al Ewing. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, he just writes Blue Marvel really well. But I was like, even so, just kind of like the concept of the character, the stories that he's had in these team books, like the stuff he's going through with like his kids and this like other universe that he has. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, this guy is really cool. I really enjoy it. And so I still have to go back and read the original series that like introduced this character. But I know they have that on Marvel Unlimited as well. So like I put that in my queue to go back. But um, yeah, I just, I was like, Blue Marvel is cool. Okay. It sounds like yeah. you found your Wonder Man. <laughs> like yes. my, my Wonder Man. <laughs> yes, yeah, I get like, it. Like, you know, sometimes those really, really overpowered characters can be like, child why are you even here like exactly you are going where like <laughs> there's no point of anybody else really being here but there are there are some overpowered characters that have a little bit more to them than just being overpowered mm -hmm. and and it sounds like blue marvel has a lot more depth to him than just being up there with power and in my opinion yeah. like he's not even like He's not like the Hulk, where the Hulk can literally shatter planets. It's it's ridiculous, um, you know, or like Sentry or anything like that. I feel like he is, he's like above the super powered people, but still like kind of a lower, like overpowered character. So there's still like some yeah. room there, you know. Yeah, and I do love that even when he gets into like some of his other powers outside of strength, like his energy and photon blasts and things like that, he always really uses them in support of other heroes as opposed to outright fighting other people. It's He is helping Monica kind of regain her shape after her life form, something that he does in Mighty Avengers in like his first appearance in issue four, or he's kind of like bonding with her to make her blast stronger in the Ultimates. I think even Carol, he's like boosted her up. Yeah, her you know, you know, Carol loves to punch something. And, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> and, you know, I recall, I think in one of the early Ultimates issues, she they were like fighting up against some like bunch of Armada or something like that. And mm -hmm. she was like, hey, help me go binary. And she just yeah. was like, oh, yeah, sure. And she absorbed the energy blast that he shot at her and she went binary and, you know, got it, to punch everything she wanted. So, yeah. So that was good. So, like, I had reread all of that and 
that just was like, yeah, like this is the guy I love. These, these yeah. are the good books over here. So I had never you really are- thought about Spectrum and Blue Marvel as a couple, but I feel like that's something I need to wake up. I feel like I need to, I think I should stay in for that. It's kind of fun. It's it's okay. kind of cool. You know, it's um it it it's the read and sue that you want. Okay. Like, Shade, like, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of like working at the relationship. She very much lets him know, like, you are not paying me attention. Like, I need this or just doing anything. And he responds to it. And it's cool. And even when he did, because he knows, like, it ruined his, like, last marriage or, and all that stuff, you know? She's just, like, me being in the lab and doing all these things all the time. He's trying to be better from that. So it's a fun relationship. See, that in itself, you know, I've talked about relationships on this show often yeah. and how I like to see them and actually, like, you know, if they're yeah. going to make them a couple for whatever reason, show me their relationship and show it growing. And yeah. just there, we see him talking about having an ex-wife and you yeah. know, <laughs> and learning from that and how he needs to kind of grow from it and what he can do to kind of better his relationship with Spectrum. So I think that that can be really interesting. And, you know, I'm a big kind of Spectrum fan. You know, I like her. Yeah, um, she's cool. I, I've, I've kind of realized that um, I don't really like her as much as I used to. Is it because you also think that she's overpowered? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, I think when she's done well, like she's a great character. Like again, yeah. like the stuff with her in Blue Marvel is why I keep going back to the Ultimates. You know, I think that she probably needs to be in space. She probably needs to yeah. like, you know, whatever whatever they're going to do with the Ultimates, if they ever bring that team back around, she should probably just lead it and like have it be that she should be the space yeah, character. Yeah, I can see that. That would be ideal. Um, and so with that, you know, still on my sci-fi high, I was going back and I read a little bit of Guardians. And Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. And I come across, you know, Star-Lord. And so Star-Lord has always kind of been a character that's been at the back of my mind. Like, he seems like he's right up my alley. He's got like this cosmic, like, an action adventure thing going on, like a little bounty hunter-ish. And I realized the one time when I tried to really get into Marvel Cosmic was during the whole Abnet and Landing era when there was like Annihilation, um, War of Kings, I think those type of stuff. Oh, and that was a great era. That was, a, I remember, yes, because that was my thing. Yeah. I remember I, I like was gotten to uh, Marvel Cosmic. I was like, oh, wow, this is good. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is, I was like, this is Marvel the right Cosmic time. Marvel Cosmic was lit right then, yeah. <laughs> And so I always remember there was this um, Star-Lord Annihilation mini series. And I was just like, I always remember enjoying it. So I was like, let me go back and reread that. And so I doing that. And I'm, again, I'm like reading, I'm like, I really like Star-Lord in this, you know? And it's just kind of making me realize like, why have I not been a little bit more into him? And I'm like, is it because of the MCU, which is kind of really turned me off of him? I do not enjoy Chris yeah. Pratt. I do not enjoy the MCU Guardians. So I was like, let me go back and like really get into this guy. So I actually went back and reread the Marvel preview issue that he very that he first appeared in, the one that Steve Englehart wrote. Oh wow, okay. Astrology hero and something like all black and white. And oh my gosh, what a comic book. <laughs> like I was blown away. Just so it's crazy because Peter Quill is like a completely different character. And 
I say this because like the MCU version of him has kind of become like this lump of a man. Chris Pratt version of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's like you read um, and he's kind of like unsure of himself and you got to go through all this stuff. But like this guy in the beginning, like he was a jerk. Okay. And like, I don't, <laughs> and like Peter Quill, but it's like, he was the bomb. So really quick origin, Peter's mom gets killed by aliens. And so he like dedicates his life to getting vengeance against these aliens. Cause of course nobody believes him. So he like goes on to train to be an astronaut and he's like top of the class. Like he is the best guy there. He like beats all the tests. He like does all the simulations the fastest, all this stuff. And so it gets to the point where there's one guy, this one simulation goes haywire and he almost dies. And Peter like jumps out and like saves him while everybody else is just standing there. And so the guy's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And Peter's like, no, you need to learn how to be better at what you do. He's like, stop being useless so I won't have to save you ever again. <laughs> and it's oh, wow. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there was no, there was no joke or nothing like that, you know, nothing, like nothing. Like he's, he's a mean guy. <laughs> and so, you know, um, the master of the sun kind of like lets them know you need to send someone to be the next star Lord. And so Peter stands up and he's like, okay, obviously like it's me, I'm that guy. And everybody else is like, absolutely not. Like whoever is star Lord has to be able to get along with people. You cannot get along with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes on like this murderous rampage and like kills the guy who they do pick and like starts like attacking people and he's like i need to be the star lord and the master of the sun like they're about to like shoot him master of the sun grabs him and he kind of like lets him do a vision of his vengeance against the people and he's like have you gotten that out of your system now and peter's kind of like yeah and so he's like okay now i'm going to make you a star lord and they go off Oh, um, wow. Okay. This is a really interesting. This is a cool origin. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I can't <laughs> believe we didn't stay. <laughs> yeah. And shout out to Ewing for like waking that back up again, because yes. I feel like we're finally getting that like now. This is it's stuff like, I feel like he's touching on in the current Guardians of the Galaxy series. And that was my thing. It was like going back and rereading that um, Guardians of the Galaxy number nine, where he kind of reintroduces that. I was just like, I can't believe we ever like let go of this. So you know, Steve Englehart left Marvel. And so Chris Claremont actually took over a couple of the issues that did Star-Lord and he kind of revamped the word. So he didn't really revamp the origin. He like left the Master of the Sun part in there vaguely, but he like added this ship to it, um, who was a woman. And then, you know, they let go of the astrology thing like completely. Like that was just like no longer a thing. And so, but oh, okay. he did give him like this really new cool title. It was Star Lord, Master of Languages of All Things Mechanical of the Primal Elements of Life, Earth, Air, Fire, and Water. And so he basically just takes him on like sci-fi adventures. They keep doing that for a little bit. And so as I'm doing this, I'm like, okay, like I'm really into like the Star Lord guy. Like, what else can I do? <laughs> and so I just go on this massive deep dive. I immerse myself in all Star Lord comic books I've read the Adna and Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy run. Again, it really showed that Peter was like, he's a smart guy. Like he's very capable, he can lead, he knows what he's doing. They kind of like ease up on him being like such an asshole, which is like appreciated. And he does like do a little bit more jokes, but it's not like overdone like Pratt. It's like, he's a humorous guy, but it's like humor isn't his thing. Got if it. that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so 
then you know we get into like Bendis kind of coming in the Guardians of the Galaxy and it's like you know that's Bendis everybody just kind of had a Bendis voice it wasn't anything big yeah yeah I remember that era (laughs) yeah um and so then we start getting we get two Star-Lord series both are written by Sam Humphreys the first one isn't anything to write home about it's honestly all about Star-Lord building up his relationship with Kitty and okay yeah it also made me realize that I don't like their relationship. <laughs> like I thought oh, I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it just was not good. And so it's like, but again, like they start kind of putting an emphasis on his jokes. Like he doesn't seem as much of a capable hero as he is. Like he kind of like gets beat up a lot and he kind of falls into the problems. It's, it's, it just doesn't feel right. It's again, it's very like Pratt MCU. And he has a second series, which completely revamps his origin and they do away with the whole master of the sun thing completely. And that's when it is, he, his mother dies. She's killed by aliens still, but he like is training to be an astronaut. But apparently he's supposed to be like very low at the bottom of the class. Like nobody thinks he can do it. Um, There's this woman who's been introduced as like his mom's friend. They make it so he was kidnapped by the ravagers, Yondu and them. And so he becomes them like they, Marvelify. Okay, the the MCUify it, yeah. Yeah, and so at that point, I was just kind of like, this isn't what I want. (laughs) Um, And then he has another series that was written by Chip Zdarsky, which I was actually, I I didn't really enjoy that one either, which I was shocked about because I really typically enjoy Zdarsky. But again, I was just like, it's just, it's not the Star-Lord that I'm interested in. And then that took me back to Guardians, currently written by E-Wing. And that made me realize that he is kind of like returning Peter Quill to the capable, smart hero that he actually is. And so I was like, yeah. And I realized, and I was like, and then reading all of this, I was just like, I really like Star-Lord. I was like, I love the type of character he is and the guy he is. I was just like, this is, this is the one. I was like, so Blue Marvel and Star-Lord are like, they've been propped up on the list. They've been moving Okay. Nice to wake those up then. I have to check out some of these comics you've been listing right now because I, I've also been doing through a backlog of stuff and I'm always down to add more <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to my list. Like, but like seriously, going through um, and we gotta we gotta do a reread of like some Marvel cosmic stuff at one point in time because that was good. Like, yeah, and I even back when it was all coming out, I didn't even really get to get all the way into it because. I was like in I high school, so there were like four different Thanos minis. I was like, "What is yeah. going on?" I was, <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what to do. So, but that was all some good stuff, and so that's been my weekend of reading. It's been a lot of Blue Marvel. It's been a lot of Star Lord. It's been a lot of sci-fi words. My brain hurts a little bit. I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, in that case, let's take a break, and we'll come back for the discussion. Hello, hello. We are back. All right. Yes, yes. Welcome back, everybody. You know, we're approaching the end of the year. 2020 has been a year. (laughs) Child, it has been a year. (laughs) You know, a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have been realized. A lot of things have been changed. Um, One thing that, well, I was about to say, one thing that stayed consistent was our comics, but those actually shut down for a couple months, too. So, yeah, that was Uh, a long time. 
what were we doing? <laughs> like, this is a medium where I felt like you didn't have to be around people. So why did it stop? <laughs> why did we stop? And then it's just like, that also like was that's just been this one year like on top of everything else that's happened like that was just one small thing um but you know with the new year quickly approaching i wanted to kind of go over some of our best of this year yeah let's do a recap let's do a little recap so um let's go right with this one what has been like your best new series of 2020 Mm. Okay, so the best new series for me that debuted in 2020 has been Hellions. I have really enjoyed this book. Um, It hasn't had a bad issue for me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, every everyone is like it. It adds to the roster of the characters that are involved, which for me is is full of characters I normally don't give a shit about. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like why would i care about an empath or havoc no but right but like here i am <laughs> like tuning in <laughs> Every, just ready. yes Where are they? <laughs> so definitely my favorite new series of 2020 is hellions okay so um mine i don't think this is gonna surprise anybody mine was seven secrets oh wow Google. okay yeah um i think that tom taylor Danielle DiNicciolo, I think that's how you say his last name. Um, they just knocked it out of the park with that series. It's been so fast paced. It's been so fun. There's a lot of emotional beats. It's and it's everything I look for in a comic book. And they just did it. You know, it's got it's got a diverse cast. Characters leading. It's, it's a little black boy who does kung fu. Like that's of course that's going to speak to me. That's, <laughs> that's right up your alley. <laughs> like, what else am I going to read? You know. Um, so that was definitely my best new book. All right, and w- so outside of the books, what has been your favorite or your best single issue of the year? Wow, that's a good one. So my favorite single issue, uh, I had two, really. Um, okay. The first one is X-Men number seven. Okay. Um, and that was the Crucible issue. Uh, mm. The way that that was really like written and the way that you really felt the weight of what was actually happening in that comic the entire time was so like, it was epic, (laughs) you know, I, um, I would have never thought of a, of the crucible being this type of thing that the mutants would have as an option for them to kind of be resurrected with their powers. But Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. And to have Nightcrawler kind of go through the entire, you know, questions that I'm sure a lot of people have about like souls and and religion and, resur- and religion and resurrection and and then you had my boy Exodus you know <laughs> <laughs> telling you know the kids really <laughs> <laughs> telling the kids about the pretender and finally getting you know some some panel time there so I X-Men number seven I think was one of my favorites but Honestly, I think that's more of an honorable mention for me because my favorite single issue was the other history of the DC universe. I absolutely loved that entire book. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I hadn't Mm -hmm. felt like that after reading a single issue in, I don't know how long, probably since X-Men number seven. So (laughs) I feel like uh, I really, really, really enjoyed that book. Well, can I tell you, this is why I love you, because that is exactly what I had. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> like everything, like legitimately, it was like X-Men 7, The Crucible, and the other history of the DC universe, number one. I was just like, I don't I mean, think, taste. Like, wow. <laughs> like, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> We're just going to keep on moving on. We're just going to keep on going. Who's been kind of like your breakout character to you? Who's like jumped out to you the most and kind of made an impact for you this year? Uh, So I had to go back and like look at all of the different comics that I have been reading over the year and to kind of look at my uh, history. Yeah. And this character isn't new by any means, but for me, they were the breakout of 2020. Mm -hmm. And that is Polaris. Lorna Dane. Yeah. Okay. So I look back and saw that this was the year where I, I learned and finally kind of accepted that she was actually my number one favorite yeah. uh, X character. She had always been like top two for me. And it was always like Jean and then Polaris. And then, you know, I kind of filled in the rest the list from there. Yeah. But I like a very specific Jean and, uh, I think I'm the only Gene fan that does not like the Phoenix Force and <laughs> and or or ever think that they are one and the same. So and I I learned that the moments that I liked with Gene were Polaris's attitude the entire time <laughs> she was around. Okay. It didn't necessarily um kind of hinge on whether or not she had just been resurrected or anything like that. Cause I've noticed that I liked Gene after she had just been resurrected mm-hmm. are the moments I really enjoy Jean because she's really like about herself and she's I was gonna say, she shows a lot of agency like as soon as she's come back yeah and there's an edge to her there and that personality is something that is Lorna Dane the entire time okay uh, in that original x-factor run x-factor volume one when she kind of joined the team and it became more of that government team she was still kind of skeptical about the government and all of that because she was still very much down for the mutant cause. Mm-hmm. Um, she questioned Xavier in the way that he kind of viewed things. Obviously, she was, you know, she comes from being a daughter of Magneto. Yeah. Uh, she also, like, went to therapy <laughs> because, yeah. you know, she had been mind-controlled uh, by Malice and she was a marauder for a while and she went to therapy and kind of get that kind of taken under control and she talked about you know, her therapist was like, you know, I think it's interesting that you are a master of magnetism and you have a problem with wanting to attract people, but also yeah. repel them at the same time. And that spoke to me. <laughs> I, I relate <laughs> to that. So, yeah, I think my breakout character for 2020 has been Miss Polaris. Okay. okay. So my my character was also an ex character. It's Cypher. Oh, nice. Doug Ramsey. Doug Ramsey. You know, I I think this is something that's also been kind of bubbling under for a while. I've really been enjoying his new role in the Hickman era. But I just like think he's just a fun little guy. I think back to the giant size storm issue where he's like on the team with Monet and them. And it's just like he's just always down to help. I think about him in X of Swords. He's just like this little bean. You want to protect him, but he's got this heart of gold and he's, but he's also still like kind of sneaky. Like, you know, he's planning something on the side. Like it's, yeah, there's something's going on. He, he a little crazy. And so it's like, <laughs> I did, I did die when Sinister said he smelled like milk. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I guess when it comes to the men of the X-Men, there aren't, there are a lot I like, but not too many I love. And I've come to realize that Cypher is one that I love. You know, and I shout out to writers who can do that. And so, you know, speaking of that, who was your 
favorite writer this year? Who had you on the edge of your seat? You know, I I feel like this is going to be expected because he is my favorite comic book writer and it is Jonathan Hickman. Um, <laughs> the, the stuff that he was doing with X-Men, it just kind of kicked off at the end of last year. Yeah. Um, and then we got into issue four, I think, at the top of the year and mm-hmm. kept going from there. And although they were have been kind of one and done kind of stories, uh, there yeah. isn't like a like a continuation for that you had to have read the last one to kind of know what's going on. Each yeah. issue really kind of adds more to the 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 mythos of the mutant, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. it gives it gives so many more characters like more layers to them, and it kind it pushes everything forward. And mm-hmm. this is and that's everything that I've really wanted for the X Men because you know. Yeah. If yeah. there's one thing you know I don't like is nostalgia. So yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm really excited to finally get like great stuff from the X-Men and have them finally be pushed forward. And yeah, my favorite writer this year has been Jonathan Hickman. I think that's that's a good one. Mine's Al Ewing. I don't think anybody's shocked. I don't think anybody's surprised. I don't think anybody like expected anything different. It's Al Ewing. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> He, he, he is, he, again, like, he is my favorite writer right now. He is telling the stories that I want to read about. He is giving characters voices that I thought would never have voices again, which is always very exciting to me. You know, he seems to love the D-list, so it's like you really got to appreciate that. He um, does, yeah. He's also a fan of, like, continuity. You know, he, like, he's he's not going to ignore stuff just for the sake of ignoring it. Um, he, he'll he touch lo- on it and keep everything moving. You can tell he loves a good deep dive and like he finds a way to make it work and like it's good like it's alleyway for sure and so of course no comic book is complete without its artists so who were your tops this year so my favorite artist this year was uh carmen carnero carnero she is i love i love her stuff she kind of started with captain marvel she was a drawing Mm -hmm. over there for a while and I was absolutely <laughs> stunned because you know uh Carol not only was in need of a great writer which she was getting with Kelly Thompson I also felt like she needed a great artist too and yeah it was Carmen she really has a way of like really capturing like facial expressions and mm. and the fluidity of action scenes which I really like um yeah she also was the artist on um the ex of swords issue of hellions if, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah oh and that was a good issue that was one where like sinister killed the team too that was, yeah yeah that's pretty iconic right there she's thing. awesome i really really like her um she was my favorite artist for the year okay so um i had a i had a i had a three-way tie <laughs> oh wow okay I, I couldn't make i couldn't make the final decision um so, but the three artists were Juan Cabal, who draws Guardians nice. of the Galaxy. Um, Bruno Rudondo, he draws Suicide Squad, written by Tom Taylor. And yeah, then he's going to be on Nightwing. He's, he is also going to be on Nightwing. And then the last one is actually Daniel Semperi. He was the fill-in artist for Rodondo when he couldn't do the issues of Suicide Squad. They just have a very similar style. So it was like kind of hard to choose between the two of them. And that's okay. how it became this three-way tie. But... I think all three of them are just absolutely amazing. And they give me like, you know me, I'm really big on like facial expressions and like layouts of comics and like really doing interesting things with those. And I think 
specifically Juan Cabal, the issue of Guardians where he was like showing all of Novar's weird powers and like had yeah. him like crawling through the tubes. And then like, that was like by far one of the best things I've ever seen. And so I was just like, yeah. And then Bruno and Daniel on Suicide Squad, like they gave you a lot of similar stuff. And it's like, they had these characters who have like these very interesting powers and have to move certain ways. And the way they have their characters move on the page and react, it just speaks to me. And yeah, I, 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 I don't know better artists. Yeah, those are some dumb artists. <laughs> Carmen's amazing. Joelle Jones is also amazing. If I could throw her, she's- Oh yeah, she's awesome. She has me so hyped for Yara Floor. That whole it's every image. It's just like so I cannot good. wait for this book. <laughs> like I can't. Like it, it honestly could be written horribly, but it's going to look so good. It's yeah, like, it's gonna I'm be stunning. <laughs> yeah, um, and of course, you know, even your artists, you can't have them. And this is one, you know, my personal face, your favorite artist of twenty twenty. I mean, excuse me, not artist. Your favorite colorist of twenty twenty. So my favorite colorist of 2020 was uh, Marte Garcia. I mm-hmm. feel like he did a lot of work with uh, Pepe Larraz, and recently yeah. he's been doing stuff with Valerio Skiti on Sword. Okay. And I really enjoyed the way that he like has his colors really blend into each other. Mm-hmm. He also is one that is um, aware of skin tones, <laughs> which yeah. I feel like a lot of colorists yeah. were having issues with this year you know and <laughs> yeah, um... there were a couple problems <laughs> <Ciao>. <laughs> oh man there were some there were some issues there and he uh at least understands that <laughs> you know yeah uh, so i think this year he was my favorite okay um same and uh, again a, a lot of the similar things that you said the way he approaches color you can tell he's aware of skin tones things like that it's very vibrant you remember it he does it um what about oh your favorite cover artist of the year oh ooh, great question i think the my favorite cover artist of the year would have to be jenny freeson oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean I wow <laughs> it's just, she doesn't yeah. miss yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think she's ever missed. Like she did a cover um now, I think it's now it's been like a couple of years. She did a cover mm-hmm. of X of X-Men Red of the entire team that was yeah, I mean, my phone background awesome. for for so long. <laughs> that storm image? Oh my god. Storm cover she did. It, it's yeah. literally like the storm image. Like if yeah. you Google Storm, like it's everywhere now. <laughs> it's beautiful. She really is that's easily my favorite. Cup artist for 2020. Um, damn, that's good. That's good. Um, so mine, um, my favorite cover artist this year has actually been Peach Momoko. Um, okay, she she kind of has like an anime style to her art. She did like uh she did the image of Danny on the indigenous voices issue. Oh, Um, cool. She's done like some Venom covers, she's done some Star Wars, she's done a little Marvel, a little DC, you know, she's just very clean, very consistent. Her stock has been rising a lot and I just really enjoy it. I think she's one of those artists, again, because it is an anime style even so, it's just very distinct. Like, you know a Peach Momoko image as soon as you see it. And you know it's gonna be good. So she definitely stood out to me a lot. What was the book that you kind of didn't expect to love, but you ended up loving it? 
You know, I would have to go with, uh, there were two books that actually came to mind for me for this one. And okay. um, the first one I will again repeat was, which was my favorite new series of 2020 and that's Hellions. Um, I was not expecting to like be into this book. I mean, the book has fucking Nanny on the roster. <laughs> Wait, don't do that to Nanny. I love I Nanny. Mean, I, I love <laughs> Nanny now. Yeah. <laughs> I love Nanny now. Yeah, I see it for her. But, and obviously that's a testament to the book. Cause like, I wasn't expecting to like love yeah, a book yeah. with Nanny. Nanny uh, and Havoc and like Wild Child, what? Yeah, Havoc um, was a choice. Yeah. And, <laughs> and here we are. I, can, I, can, I keep choosing yeah. it. So that that was one book. And the other book was actually um, New Mutants. So oh. like, I, I've never been that big of a fan of the New Mutants. You I like them. Lactase there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I like them. <laughs> that was good. I like them as a unit, I think. But like mm. individually, individually, I only really like magic and Sunspot and uh, Danny's really cool. Okay. But like, um, I don't really like the, all of them that well. But as a unit, I think I like them as a team, but I, they had always been really stuck in that whole like, oh, we're back together and it's a reunion. And yeah, oh, no, we're I just can... getting the gang back together and they're we're really doing that. anything. They, they love to get the gang back together. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this recent kind of push for the New Mutants with uh, Vita mm-hmm. on the writing. Yeah. I'm really interested in where they're taking the new mutants now with them kind of being kind of like the counselors for the new, new batch of kids coming in. And yeah. I think that that's perfect for them. So yeah. Uh, the other book that I think was, that I wasn't expecting to love was. New mutants. Okay. How about um, you? That, mine was definitely Hellions, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure you can find a couple of tweets of me reacting <laughs> to like the the roster reveal, and it's just like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna read this. <laughs> um, and it's the same. It's just like I I really appreciate kind of like the tone of the book, how it makes you care about these characters who you don't really think you're going to care about. Again, I personally love Nanny and Empath. They were probably like the only reasons I actually picked the book up still. But to then come back and be like, oh okay, I'm enjoying Scout Hunter. I'm enjoying um. Quantum, I'm enjoying Wild Child. Like, okay, this I love the Suicide Squad feel the book kind of has, you know, Sinister and his machinations and what he's doing. I was just like, okay, this is really good. It was definitely my book. I did not expect to love. Really glad I do love it though. I mean, you're getting the book that's got Psylocke in it. And I mean that in every That was a good one. That was... <laughs> hey. uh, you know, we love to laugh here. <laughs> um, okay. And, you know, and again, as we approach the end of the year, what are you kind of hoping for for your comics in 2021? You know, going forward in 2021, I hope that we get some new X books. Okay. Um, and with those new books, I want new writers as well. I think oh. that with the next wave of like X books, I think we should also like kind of usher in some new, some fresh writers. Mm-hmm. Um, Is this to that, replace writers on existing books or just like just new writers for the new books? Not necessarily replacing anybody. Um, uh, I'll leave that up to Marvel to decide. But I think okay. that if if it was just 
what they have out going now, I think that they should have new books and have new writers instead of, you know, instead of spreading the new books around and having mm-hmm. multiple writers do stuff, I think it's okay to have, just get new writers. Okay. Yeah. I'd also love for uh, the current Captain Marvel series. Mm-hmm. I think that she needs to have a kind of an event kind of thing go on. I would love to see a Captain Marvel event. She's never really had like an event centered on herself, has she? No, she's never had an event. And I mean, for... I guess she counts Civil War too. We don't. no we don't so (laughs) so yeah i would love for her to have her very first event (laughs) how has venom gotten like three big events before carol ain't that wild yeah what yeah but they push her everywhere because they just want to use her name to like you know push that she's the the premier female character i think that she needs to have like a legit event with some weight to it i'd love to see that happen this year um and the last thing i want for 2021 is Mm -hmm. wonder man to return Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) in an an ongoing not just like popping up in behind the scenes um i want him to like be either in a solo series in an ongoing or in some kind of book do you have um do you have a dream like current person who you like to write wonder man uh, uh, that's a good question because I've only thought about myself doing it. <laughs> but I've, I've, uh, I've never really thought about who out right now would do a great Wonder Man series. My fear would always be that they would want to wake up how he was in the eighties, mm-hmm. and we don't need to go back down that road again. We did that already. So, <laughs> um, I'll think about it and then come back to you. Maybe I'll have to do a relaunch on him or something. Oh yeah, it. you definitely should. Yeah, um, I think that's for the Marvel side. That's what I would like for DC in 2021. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a Jon Stewart solo series. He mm-hmm. needs some more stories that aren't in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. um, he, I think he gets a lot of shine because he got a lot of push on like the television side and everything with cartoons and, and stuff. But he, he he's a he's a lot of people's Green Lantern. Exactly, and. But I think there needs to be more stories there, specifically yeah. more stories of him on Earth. He's got a lot of stuff out in space. I'd love to mm-hmm. see him in a solo book on Earth as the Earth Green Lantern. Well, um, and not just like, you know, kicking it with the Justice League. Oh, yeah. There is a writer, I think, um, who's like about to write a Hal Jordan story or something or a Green Lantern story over at DC. And apparently, like he said, he shared similar thoughts and that it was kind of like time to retire Hal Jordan. And like John Stewart is the Green Lantern who deserves like more. And it was like crazy because like a bunch of the house stands like attacked him. <laughs> so, it, was, it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Um, it's you know, time for like, giant to shine. You know, but it, but it's like there are very few people. Well, I feel like anyone who really likes how now is like an older comic fan. And it's just like, I don't think I've ever met a lot of modern comic fans were like, I love Hal Jordan. It's like, no, where is Jon Stewart? Where's Jessica Cruz? That's who they're looking for. So. Exactly. It's, I think that you can keep characters around as long as you kind of move everyone forward, you know? Yeah. And I think Hal Jordan, it's not that they're trying, they don't have to kill him off, you know, and like <laughs> completely retire the character. It could just be mm-hmm. the next phase of his life. How many yeah. times are you going to do the same shit? It's time for something new. 
I don't even know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I feel like those are all very feasible things. Um, On the DC side, I think my big hope is that, you know, they've already kind of given out the first batch of solicitations of what their line will look like post-future state. And honestly, it looked like more of the same. So I'm just very hopeful. Again, I know we've talked about how DC has had a lot of changes up top in their, like, management and like marketing and all of that stuff and i'm really hopeful that a lot of that really does trickle down into the books and we can diversify the line a little bit there's a lot of batman per usual and i think again like dc has been like on this slow build of black lightning and kind of trying to build him as like another pillar of their universe i would love to see them kind of like really take that and do something with it and yeah just just shake it up just just be good again. Yeah, That's all. It, it, it can it can happen. We just <laughs> want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's just be good again. Um, on the Marvel side, I agree. I would love a few more X books, kind of exploring some things with a couple of new writers coming in at the home. And honestly, I want to um, I want I want a blue Marvel title. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. a blue like, Marvel solo. Yeah, like solo miniseries, you know, I'm not picky, but it's time to put him like, it's, it's time to put him back in the spotlight, like in a big way. I think, and I and I remember you told me actually, he's like popped up in the Doom series, I thought right now, I think. Yeah, he made a couple of appearances in um, the most recent Doom solo series. I think that just ended uh, last week or this past yeah. week you know, uh, with not, issue 10. I'm not usually a huge Doom guy. Like, I appreciate, like, how big of a villain he is and, like, what he represents. Um, But I've just never gotten too much in him solo. But if Blue Marvel popped up in that, yeah. So, you know, Marvel, if you're listening. If you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) We'd love a Blue Marvel title over here. Um, I don't even need E-Wing to write it. Oh, wow, okay. I was going to ask, who would you want to write it? So it's never going to happen because he's like stuck over there right now. But I would really love a John Ridley Blue Marvel series. Oh, oh, wow. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if not, um, I wouldn't mind like if Dan Abnett came back for a little bit because I know he was like okay. doing some stuff over at DC for a while. And I think he's kind of stopped that for the most part. So if, you know, Marvel wants to snatch him back up again, he's a guy. I think he does the Marvel cosmic stuff like really well. And I think he'd be cool. But like those. After you read that original run, you'll have to let me know if you think the original writer should come back and try to do something with him. Sometimes oh, yeah. that works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, you have to let me know what you think. Okay. Yeah. Definitely going to do that. Okay. But you know, you guys, please be sure to tweet us. Let us know what some of your favorite comics and stuff were for this year. What you're looking forward to in 2021. And let's take a yeah. look Let's take a break and then we'll come back and discuss Wonder Woman 1984. All right, all right, all right. Welcome. We are back for, uh, well, the first rewatch, the first watch. Yeah, it's not necessarily a rewatch, uh, although I did rewatch it to see, uh, you know, how I felt about it. Yeah. And yeah, today we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel to 
uh, Wonder Woman. It is uh, directed by Patty Jenkins, starring Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Uh, Chris Pine as uh, Steve Trevor, um, and Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. Yes, and Kristen Wiig, Kristen, excuse me, Kristen Wiig as Barbara Minerva Cheetah. Oh. So what did you think of the movie? Ah, oh. <laughs> you know, um, because you like Wonder Woman. <laughs> not no more. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. This this movie actually made me really sit down and have to have a, a real conversation with myself on do I actually okay. like Wonder Woman or not? Mm-hmm. So like I have been reading Wonder Woman comics, I think more consistently the past the past decade probably since like the new 52 and had been diving into some of her older issues whenever I had the time so I would say that like I'm a I was a pretty big Wonder Woman fan and okay but she is one of those characters who kind of like other characters who are on my backlog of comics that I'm reading that I hadn't read a lot of her early stuff so I wanted to know like what about this character do I actually like you know, so I wanted to go back and read stuff. And I was reading some old stuff to get prepared for this movie. And I realized I don't think I like her as much as I thought I did. I just like when she beats ass. <laughs> like when <laughs> watching Wonder Woman kick somebody's ass is awesome. I'm always going to love that. But she yeah. is, she's a little too perfect for me. There's not like a lot of personality there, like at all. Yeah. She's just at perfection. All. And this movie kind of highlighted that. Yeah. All she just she just was just perfect, <laughs> you know. There wasn't yeah. a lot of personality from her. Cause like Gal Gadot already can't act. Like we already know that. Like she cannot. No one was walking into this movie like expecting an Oscar worthy of performance. However, they put like all this emphasis on Diana's personality. This movie, and it was just kind of like nothing there. And when you start thinking about it, it's like what. Is Diana's personality like what does Gal have? Like honestly, Gal was the perfect casting because there's she's nothing perfect because there. there's nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing yeah. there. It's like she's a beautiful woman, and I oh my gosh, there were so many beauty shots in this movie. Um, I wanted her hair. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I was like, like I want it as a wig. It's so nice. I love it. <laughs> and it was like, and I think we talked about this after we rewatched the first one, where I was saying that you know I wish they dirty her up a little bit. Like, wouldn't be scared to like put some scars on her face. And I think about after that first fight with uh, Barbara Minerva when she was turning cheetah, which we're gonna talk about. Um, and like she was like kind of laying there in that awkward position, just like knees bent. And it's like, they tried to put like the faintest hint of dirt on her face. And I was like, she's still beautiful. I was like, what is going on? I was like, scratch this lady up. Um, it was just, ugh. Yeah, yeah. So like this movie, it opens <laughs> with the the Amazon training scene. That they was nice. Training. They weren't training. It was like this like Olympic kind of game. Olympic games. Yeah. Or at least I call this like the Amazon games. And I thought it was a really cool scene. You know, uh, young Diana's awesome. Uh, all of the Amazons doing these really cool, amazing tricks and stuff. And it's obvious that they are showing you all these lasso tricks in the beginning because this is what Diana's going to be doing throughout the film. So, okay, we get it. The only problem I had with this scene, which ended up becoming a theme throughout the movie, was that it was entirely too long. I don't think. Oh my gosh! We didn't need to see the entire the entire race. (laughs) Like it was so long. They could have cut like a good forty five minutes of this movie out. It was entire. Like there was no reason this movie should have been that long. 
yeah, it made no sense. Like there were scenes where I was like, "There's this is dragging." Like we, I feel like we have been here, and I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. This is this is dragging on, and I, I need something to make me care. Um, so yeah, a lot of cool scenes and the the way that the Amazons were kind of, you know, doing these really dope stuff was awesome to see. But damn, I was bored. Yeah, it's just like, and so you know, and then they, I get some of the things that I've been seeing like Patty say online and like some things other people have said, it's like this movie is supposed to put more of an emphasis on Diana and like her compassion, how she doesn't like fight through all of her problems. Like she's supposed to approach things from a place of peace and love. And again, it's just like Gal does not have the range to pull any of that off. And so it comes off very like stilted. And one of the things that I actually enjoyed about the first Wonder Woman was the chemistry between Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. I thought like they were really cute as like Steve and Diana. I was like, it worked. And I was like, I didn't feel any of that this movie. It was, no. and for her to be like sitting here crying over this man talking about, I'll never love anybody else again. Baby girl, he is in somebody else's body. Like you are having sex with somebody else's body right now. Like, And you and you know how we feel about body swap okay? stories. Like, like, no. We don't need any of this at that all. That is not what we're here for. So it's like, this isn't even the man that you love for real, for real. <laughs> because it's like, when you saw him later, it was just like, oh, you're just another guy. And it's just like, and then you upset all this time. But when you meet Batman, however many years later, and he's like, oh, get over it. You over it. <laughs> right. And... <laughs> You mean to tell me that you've been sitting around for 60 years clamoring over some man, like just upset over come, it and it's and like, girl, what? That doesn't make any sense. On. And then and then you even start getting into it. So it's like if Diana was doing all of this stuff in the 80s and like she had been seen and she's getting carried out and people call it Wonder Woman. You mean to tell me nobody heard of her? The only stuff Batman could find was stuff of her from the the war? Yeah, I forgot. I, you know what? I forgot to even try to make it make sense with the DCEU timeline because that's so like <laughs> messed up. That that's I knew, that's I, I knew, I knew from jump that it wouldn't even fit there. And then that lasso. <laughs> I so like again. I this movie was really making me realize that I really only like watching her fight because I've, <laughs> I've seen some people talk about the lasso and how much they enjoyed the use of the lasso in the movie. And I kept when thinking it, that it, it didn't make any damn sense, but I think that maybe that was the point because it's magic. When she used it to catch a bullet. How the hell you catch a bullet with a, a lasso? <laughs> that didn't make I any was, sense to me. I was like, I'm not watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, huh? like, and okay, and so, and let me say this, I am a person who can enjoy bad things, okay, I enjoy Suicide Squad, I enjoy Aquaman, and I was like, and I think a big part of those is like, it still has something that tethers you to enjoy it, like with Suicide Squad, you have the chemistry of Will Smith and Margot Robbie as Harlow and Harley and Deadshot, and like, you really enjoy watching them, you have uh, Viola kind of coming in, and like, she has her scenes with Batfleck, like those four key components right there kind of help you get past everything else because they are so big. With Aquaman, there are people who like Jason Momoa and they feel as though he has like this swagger to him. Um, but again, you kind of like actually get this really big payoff at the end of the movie of like seeing Aquaman like come out with like all the uh, sea animals and like this orange and green suit, which you think would be kind of like ugly and tacky, but like it somehow works here in the setting. Like those movies feel good. Like they're bad, but it's like, okay, 
it's still enjoyable overall. There was nothing about this movie that I enjoyed. Yeah, there weren't too many things that made me want to come back and revisit. And I there was enjoyed like no payoff to it. Yeah, I, I did enjoy. I enjoyed the the flight scene. I did when she when she flew on the air, and that was only because I liked it because it's an Easter egg. Wonder Woman it, has never really been able to actually fly. That was only a more recent uh, power that she's been given. Originally, she was only only supposed to be able to glide on air. So I thought that mm-hmm. that was cool that they did that. But then, you know, the writing in this movie makes mm-hmm. that where she learned how to fly from a man. Like she, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, why are you tying this character to a man so much? It's just like she is supposed to be like the woman. It's just like, no. What like what are you saying? She got her wings and learned how to fly because some man told her how to do it? Like, I don't, I didn't like that. And I think I read somewhere that that was also a callback to, like, one of the Superman movies where, like, Clark is supposed to be learning. It was like, I don't know. I have to look it up. Um, uh, interesting. I think it was supposed to be, like, paying homage. Like, her flying was supposed to be, like, a moment where, like, Clark starts flying through the sky or something. Like, Superman 2 or something like that. Um yeah, but I also didn't enjoy that. And then when she starts swinging on the light, you know, it just didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, and then then so the movie op- after we are done with the Amazon games, now she's in the mall, and somehow like they had a whole thing in this movie about like being able to walk in heels. That was like a thing <laughs> this entire movie. <laughs> clearly, yes. clearly, Wonder Woman had no issue with it because she was slipping and sliding and gliding through this mall like it was nothing. Like she's like swinging from the rafters and then like just literally skating through the small. It didn't make any sense at all. And it's felt very campy and it felt like a commercial for like a Subaru or something. (laughs) Um, But I, and I think that was maybe the point. I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy all of that. I I didn't, I guess if I had to enjoy anything, I did enjoy Kristen Wiig portraying, the transition of the kind of like nerdy meek Barbara to bad bitch Barbara. Yeah. Um, Kristen Wick was the best part of this movie, in my opinion. Hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought she was I thought she was the best part. Listen, I gotta give it something. I think she was, I think she was the best part. Okay, yeah. I, I enjoyed her transition from the nerdy Barbara <laughs> to to the to the bad bitch Barbara. You know, I thought that was very well done. Um I did not enjoy that final fight with her and Diana. Oh, it was terrible. I think it was strange. It was strange. It didn't it didn't make any sense. So um I have quite a few questions about this movie that Maybe you can help me understand. Listeners, maybe y'all can help me understand. Tweet me if you know. So they made a whole deal about this armor, right? That it was the armor of Asteria and she was the last Amazon that like fought off basically the world, right? And um, so she's got this crazy armor that's going to do all this stuff. First question, why did Wonder Woman put it on? Who was she going to go fight? Like, who was she going to go fight? <laughs> You weren't going to go fight anybody. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't. There was no reason for you to stop at your place to put this armor on. 
what you were doing it like in preparation maybe to fight Maxwell Lord, but wait, no, 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 because wasn't she like she she was losing her powers, right? Right. So maybe that's why, because like bullets were hurting her. So she had to put the armor on. Because it was supposed to be like unbreakable armor or something, wasn't but it? But she was already flying in the air. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Why would you why would you be afraid of hurting yourself? But you were just gliding all throughout the air. <laughs> so she put this on, I guess sure is like this armor. And now you're gonna go fight with Maxwell Lord. Wait, no, she had got her strength back because she renounced her wish. S- exactly so why did you put the armor on what was the point so she put it on and then she like is going to go fight maxwell lord she gets to she gets to this area now she's gonna fight cheetah right before that maxwell lord like had everyone make all their wishes and whatever and he's taking their youth and their life force and then he was like oh and i give he give i give her your rage and i give her your prowess so cheetah then is becoming this angry person or whatever that she got from a man again that she got from a man she couldn't just Uh be angry on her own she had to be she got this rage from a man so you mean to tell me that now that they're about to fight each other that wonder woman is in this golden armor that is supposed to have fought and fought off the last men of the world but Cheetah is able to tear it apart like a box of cereal. She, Cheetah tore that armor up. <laughs> okay, like, Cheetah's like, rip, rip. like, they were feathers for real. Because it she was like, cool. she was literally, like, ripping it apart like it was nothing. That made no sense. And then my thing also is, like, that fight, that final fight with them, too. It's like, it wasn't, like, they were just swinging from that lasso. Then they were, like, swimming in the river or whatever it was i was and like then they gave you a, a nice uh cirque du soleil like spin move while they were like fighting i was like this is what is this, this i was like this is not good this is just not good it's not good it's just not good they were i mean there were some moments in the film that i thought were i guess fine they were okay they didn't make me groan but it, there was a lot of it that made me think like but that doesn't make any sense this is one of those movies where if you are going to have the main kind of driving force of your plot, your MacGuffin to be a wishing stone or something with like magic, you need to explain the magic and how it works fairly early so that the audience knows the rules of the magic. There were so like, what did Barbara lose when she made her wish to be like Diana? Okay. Like, oh, she didn't no, lose anything. She, she lost her like her niceness. And her humanity. That's why she was being being mean. That wasn't even explained. She just like woke up and became Diana. And then she was just like, you know, able to put her freakum dress on and walk in heels. You know, one thing that really bugged me about the movie. Well, I mean, one of the few things is that after like Maxwell Lord has that entire moment, the sun. Alistair, he was like standing on the bridge, screaming for his father, daddy, where are you? Come get me. Maxwell Lord sees him. He's in this building, however far away. They just run into each other at the park. Like, how did this happen? How did these two people get like, how far are these places from each other? Because clearly he's down the street. Because there's absolutely like, I... How did her, how did in that same scene, how did um, Wonder Woman's lasso broadcast her thoughts to the whole world? What while attached this- to Max's leg. 
that don't make why sense. Does, why does this lasso do everything? <laughs> and I think we talked about this. Like, I've never really enjoyed Wonder Woman's lasso. Um, and that was one of the things that was like getting me kind of excited for uh, Yara because she had the, the bolos. And so I was just like, seeing this lasso, I was just like, this is just a dumb thing. Like, it needs to go. Um, and what is, how long is the lasso supposed to be? Maybe I'm assuming, you know, I guess because, um, you know, in that scene before she started flying, the way she even got up there was she swung from the top of like a steeple of like a church or something. And like she swung herself from that. And then as she started to fall, she was able to reach a plane. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) I just don't understand. Like, I don't know. I, I really... I don't. I I know we talked again last week about the third Wonder Woman film, and if we thought this would be a trilogy, it does not. Yeah, it's not. It's there. You know, like, Wonder Woman. That first film was the one that was the only kind of thing that I kept thinking they would keep from the whole Snyder era. You know, yeah. A lot of those. A lot of those DCEU films weren't very good and they don't they didn't really fit well but it seemed like there were small pieces of all of them that they kind of liked and i thought that gal gadot's wonder woman was something we should keep but now throw all that shit away let it go (laughs) let's let's recap like we do not need a third film i don't and and if we do get a third film i don't need patty jenkins she i don't think she wants to be there anymore i don't think she cares she's got her star wars check this has me worried about that. Maybe it'll be different for her because she'll be in a different property and maybe Disney will let her do a little bit more than what Warner Brothers did. But child, if this is what you're giving, I don't need to see Squadron. I don't, I don't need to see you with <laughs> I don't need to see you with a squadron of uh <laughs> TIE fighters. You know, I don't need it. <laughs> um and and again, it's like you know, she's mentioned before about like how WB has kind of interfere with her plans for the original movie and it's like maybe there was some more interference there here but either way the relationship don't work the movies aren't cutting it we got some gotta give one of y'all gotta go all y'all gotta go actually i felt like i don't know i felt like too there were a lot of changes from the comics that were very unnecessary like Mm -hmm. you know in in the comics maxwell lord is kind of telepathic and I'm sure um, you and other comic book readers, when you hear Wonder Woman and then you hear Maxwell Lord, your mind instantly goes towards, you know, the Empress. Her, kill- her killing time. him. The next I time. was just I was just sure that was gonna happen. I was like, I was like, oh, we're about to have a man of steel moment over here. <laughs> I knew right, exactly. I knew that this was gonna be a thing where she kind of had to accept that she had no other choice than to kill him. And they even wrote that in the in the plot where <laughs> where <laughs> where they tell you like you know he has become the dreamstone now and the only way to do it is for everyone to renounce their wish or you just have to kill the the Maxwell Lord. So I was assuming that this next step was going to come. I and didn't I think, think that somehow she was exactly <laughs> he just goes away and then the end of the story. He, he just gets like I don't know. I feel like there was I don't know. I feel like we were watching two different movies at one point in time. Um, like you have the first half is kind of like this, like building up of this love story. You know, you got the stuff with her and Steve, her and Barbara. And then like, we kind of like 
force in this Maxwell Lord bit. And it's like him and Diana don't even really have like any type of true confrontation. You know, it's like she kind of runs no. into him after he's leaving wherever to get the oil. And then she doesn't really see him again until that scene at the end of the movie. And she's just like, no, this isn't you. And like, da -da -da -da. And it's just like, what? You don't even know this guy. You don't even know him. All you know of is that he is, I guess, being manipulated by this stone, which is something that was created by a trickster god. Which you don't even know what he did with. You're looking for the stone. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't even know anything about the stone. You just know that it was done by a trickster god. That means it's bad. So it's just, you know. I don't know. I think I think that they tried to do something with this. It just really kind of fell flat for me. I I wanted this to be good, but it it kind of really was Again. not. For this to be one of the movies between, and I and I had tweeted something similar to this, like for this and like Tenet to be two of the movies that they were like really all gung ho about, like you guys need to go to the theater to see this. Like this is what you should be risking your life for. Like do not worry, this is worth it. It's like absolutely not. And I have a friend who saw it in the theater and she gave it a one out of five. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, cause I, I saw some people saying that too. They were like, you know, Perhaps the absence of the cinema kind of like took away the effect of it. You needed like those big like speakers and the surround, and it's just like you, you know, want me to see her rat that missile and and do that terrible flight shot in in a big screen on the theater? Absolutely like a, not. A bad movie is a bad movie. And yes. if I had been in the theater stuck and I had looked down at my phone and saw I was only fifty minutes in and I still had an hour, <laughs> and I'm at bored. Least, like, at least while I'm at home, I can turn it off. Like, I can come back to this later. It's like, no, I'm stuck in that theater. This is not what I'm going to be stuck in the theater for. You know, um, and speaking of that fight, I think that was the only action fight in the movie, really, was when she was on that road, you know, basically fighting those trucks full of people in yeah. Cairo or Bialia. Which, also CGI. Um, the CGI was... It was rough. <laughs> it was it was really rough. And I don't know whose idea it was for, for them to have in the story to get Diana to go and save some kids the, 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 to, the kid. to shoot a to shoot a <laughs> missile. Like what? Let's have her shoot a missile towards the kids and she can just fly on it. That doesn't make any like whose idea was that? <laughs> Gail Simone, who is a prominent Wonder Woman writer. She said the movie brought her to tears. She loved it. Well, I think that if you are a fan of Wonder Woman and you are a diehard fan and you just you just are excited about them bringing Wonder Woman on screen and you like what they are pulling from, because this had a lot to, they pulled from specific comics. A lot of this was like pulled from comics. And if you're just okay with that and you're just fine with seeing it brought to life, then sure. I'm sure I'm sure you loved it. <laughs> and everything okay. else was just whatever. But there's no way you could actually really enjoy this movie if you care about storytelling and if you care about like character growth and more for Wonder Woman outside of just seeing Wonder Woman on screen. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to get into the mindset of a Wonder Woman fan. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can do that. You know, I thought that was me, but it ain't me, child. So that <laughs> <laughs> ain't me. Because I mean, in this movie, she made the invisible jet invisible. Oh, yeah. To go do some fireworks. 
to go through fireworks. And like, again, I get it. Like, I understand you want to show us this different side of Diana, compassionate, loving, caring, happy. Like, she's got Steve. It's this great love. Like, okay, that's cool. But it's just like, what is going on? And I get the whole thing of, you know, the invisible jet. You know, I get that it's like an iconic thing. And of, yeah. of course, if you're doing a Wonder Woman movie, you want to have some kind of nod to that. But there was a way for you to do it instead of making it something that Diana did. Because now I'm thinking, girl, if you got Sue Storm powers, why aren't you using that all the time? How did they just go and steal a plane? Like, did no one notice that or? Yo, I was wondering, like, they they just walked. She had the keys, I guess, to this place <laughs> because whatever. And they just walked into this hangar and just picked pick like, the jet and nobody that, stopped them. That never came back up, like, in, in the yearly audit. Like, <laughs> we're missing a plane or something. It's just like, we got to do it. And in the beginning of the movie, when they were talking about this Dreamstone thing, there was a guy that they were like looking at it and reading the, in the inscription on it. And there was a guy, a scientist that walked up, that grabbed it and wished for coffee. Why did he do that? What reason would he have to just walk up and grab that and wish for coffee? Because he, he didn't even, he wasn't even a part of the conversation. He just walked up and grabbed the stone and said, I wish for coffee. He's just a nosy man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> there were too many times in this movie where I felt like there are ways for you to move this plot along other than you just shoving something in so that you can get to the next scene. And like, I don't know much about filmmaking. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm just a dude with an opinion. <laughs> so I, I don't know too much about what I'm even really talking about here, but I just felt like there was a lot that was off and... No, I just could have been better. I just want to know, like, I really want to be in the room, like when they sat back and watched it, because like they watched these final cuts of these movies, you know, and like, I just wonder, like, did they watch this final cut and they were just kind of like, okay, like this is as good as we're gonna get, or was it like, was something going on on the set? I just get a feeling people didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah if it felt like they were just kind of going through it <laughs> because like every because people sign contracts for stuff you know um i also had a problem with cheetah's origin why did they change it from the comic so in the comic cheetah is supposed to have gotten her powers from this plant god who mm -hmm. like i think part of like part of her archaeologist dig thing she like gets there's this curse from the plant god and he's gonna have her become like her bride, and she gets the curse because she was a she wasn't a virgin, um, oh, and like he okay, only shout out to that. Yeah, so like he only takes virgins um, to be like his bride, but if you aren't, you get cursed, and like that's how she gets the curse of the cheetah and whatever, and you go from there. I felt like that could have been way more of a compelling story than just her being what a scientist or like a a nerd basically you and. Know people ignored I her i don't know too much about cheetah you know i feel like she cheetah's a weird character to me because she gets a lot of um there's been like a lot of them and i feel like they change her origin a lot she seems like a very interesting one but it's just also i kind of feel like that might have because there's just so much going on with her yeah her background is a little like it's confusing because every time they kind of bring her back around they end up changing it you know to kind of fit whatever is 
cool at the time. But the one kind of consistent thing has always been that she was cursed that way. Um, yeah, I think I've definitely seen the curse like pop up multiple times. Um, I don't know. It's... Which is like, if you're why if you're gonna have a dream stone in this movie, why not? You can also just stretch it to have her get cursed by some god. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It was. There was a lot. There's. Just... It didn't have to be for her to wish to be an apex predator. You why know, would that and... change her into a cheetah? Is is that like a line from a Wonder Woman comic book or something? Because just people don't talk like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and this is and this is again this is coming from someone who like reads comic books. So I ever I've, I've read some very cheesy lines before. But like yeah, I want to be an apex predator. Like what? Yeah, and I guess maybe the the kind of monkey paw wish there was that then that made her changed into this like humanoid cheetah thing but like what <laughs> and, and so then my thing also is like even at the end when everybody's renouncing their wishes we see like barbara back to her normal human self i don't think she would have renounced her wish no at all she didn't like, like learn anything from this she didn't like, like you know there was no change of heart moment <laughs> Like, and, and and again, it's just like, then we just never see her again. Like, Maxwell Lord just got away. We just never saw Barbara again. All of this bad stuff happened, and, like, everyone's just gonna, like, missiles were, like, just randomly disappearing from the air. <laughs> yeah, when when Max, when everyone kind of renounced their wish, um, did that mean time was reversed? I didn't understand how that worked, because all of a sudden, everything just kind of, like, went back to normal. But Like, like the woman who died, like, did she come back to life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of that just, like I said, there were too many moments within this movie where I was like, that doesn't make any sense, uh, according to the rules that they set up in their own movie. <laughs> it was just, and again, I can appreciate a bad movie as long as there's something enjoyable and has some type of payoff. This had neither. I also noticed that Wonder Woman or uh, Gal Gadot anyway, she never touched anyone. And that's kind of what I was missing when doing a lot of her like fight scenes. Mm -hmm. When she would come in in that mall scene in the beginning mm -hmm. and in other scenes as well, when she was kind of throwing people or stuff around. Yeah. She would kind of enter the scene and it would only show her from like the chest up. And then all of a sudden someone would be thrown. We never got to actually see her be physical. So I think that like really took away from a lot of the fight scenes and stuff because she'd come in and look cool and you'd only see her like from the chest up and she'd like make the scowly face and someone would just be kind of thrown away. And I think that's another thing too. It's like, I even think about that moment where she was kind of like going against the tanks and the cars and stuff like that. And they were trying to crush her and she's pushing them apart. And it's like, this is, if she's losing her power, this is supposed to be a struggle for her. And outside of like that weird grimace she's making, like there's no struggle. Like where are the veins popping? Where's like the tension in your legs? Like make this look real for me. And it's just like, they don't do that. If that also didn't make sense because <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to say it, <laughs> but like she earlier, she had trouble like breaking a lock off of a door, yeah. but then in that same truck scene, she was pushing a truck and using it as a shield as while they were shooting at her. You know? That didn't make it, that's not consistent at all. But I feel like with this, if they tell us that she's losing her powers, I feel like, <laughs> where is the loss happening at, you know? <laughs> I also think it's kind of like, 
it was very up and down and consistent, but like it was also confusing as to why she was losing her powers. So originally when it first started happening, I thought she was losing her powers as a result of Barbara's wish to be like Diana. So she was like taking her strength and like doing all of that. But then to find out she was actually losing it because Steve was alive. Right, because she wished for Steve. It's just like, how do those two things correlate? They don't. <laughs> I don't know. I think actually, I think maybe that I think we're supposed to assume that they made their wishes at the same time. So uh, Barbara wished to be like Diana. So that's why she yeah. gained all of Diana's coolness and her powers, not knowing that she was Wonder Woman. And Diana, I'm, she wished for Steve and her like what's her price to pay was her powers. But again, that just brings me back to Barbara. Like what was her price to pay? I cannot <laughs> believe that Diana wished for Steve. <laughs> of all the things she could wish for, she wished for Steve Trevor to come back. I mean. That that was the one thing, you know? Remember she said the one, the one thing, the one thing that she just could not have. <laughs> she kept saying it. <laughs> I just. You know, it's like you can never see your mom again. <laughs> you can never go back home. <laughs> yeah, so, like why couldn't? She, why didn't she wish to go back to the mascara? There, there are like hundreds of men, hundreds. Yeah. Also, you're you don't think it's weird that you're like sleeping in the bed with somebody that you don't know? I'm about to say you're having sex with somebody else's body. Like you, you don't mean? think any of that is weird? Like, what's going on? I don't know this. This movie left a lot to be desired for me. Um, and I never thought that it would be this hard to make a Wonder Woman movie. Uh, but I okay. guess it kind of just really kind of highlights the things that I've slowly been recognizing for the character for myself. And that is she's badass and she's going to kick ass. But for me, there's not a lot of depth of character there. And when you have a character like that, you need to surround yourself with surround that character with supporting cast who the audience can latch on to and they can show who the quote-unquote boring character is when they interact with them you know what i'm saying like they get to see yeah. more of that but with wonder woman she doesn't have a supporting cast <laughs> there's no she doesn't have like you know a an etta candy anymore because she's dead steve trevor yeah. i'm is is dead she doesn't have like a, a roster of people to work with around her and like so many of the wonder like girls are very actually like far removed from Diana. And exactly. Yeah. It's like, they're not really a part of the mascara. They're not really like Amazons. I mean, outside of like Donna and even Donna has been changed so much back and forth that it's just kind of like, you can't really build up that supporting character with that supporting cast with Diana, like how you'd want to. Exactly. I mean, and even Donna, she spends more, she spends more time with the Titans than she does with, on the mascara and doing yeah. all that so or with diana so yeah, like those are her people <laughs> yeah and and all of those people who we just named they all have a supporting cast around them so they can kind of like you know we see their how they interact with people and their characteristics but like diana don't got no friends <laughs> like at all it's like really sad when you think about it she's actually. really perfect and it's just like it's so boring yeah maybe she doesn't need friends so maybe she doesn't need to have these people around her like that but it's a tad boring. I know they've tried with um. They're they're like not a part of her cast, but I know they've tried with like Zaytana and Mira, to make those like her homegirls. Oh, I didn't know that. 
yeah, they do a lot of that in Justice League Dark. It's a lot of like building of the relationship of Diana and Zatanna. And when Mera was on the Justice League for a short time, obviously she was like the only other woman. So they put them together a lot. And a lot of Aquaman annuals or issues that have come out that star Mera will have Wonder Woman guest star. Yeah, I remember they had a little matchup moment during, um, I think Blackest Night when- Yeah. And yeah, and they've been like kind of building them up. Like uh, Diana was like one of Mara's bridesmaids. So oh, cool, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like a cute little thing, but it's like, even so it's like, you can't always, they can't be with Diana and all her stories all the time. It's like, she needs other people to be able to deal with. And she, she needs her own. Yeah, and, and it's so weird to me because like you have an island full of Amazons. <laughs> like I just, that feels just so easy to build up and build a world around. And it's it's weird now that I think about it. I think a lot of the Amazonian stories that I've read for Diana, they don't really delve too deeply into like Amazonian culture and like what it is and what they do. And how they all like interact with each other, how they feel about each other. It's just, yeah. here are these really dope women and that's awesome. But like Wonder Woman's just kicking ass. <laughs> what else is there to her? She needs, um, she needs a relaunch. She needs a relaunch. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, overall, what would you rate this movie out of five? A one. You know, I would give it a two. I'd give it a 1.5. Let me not lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, like, like I said, like I've been saying, I can appreciate a bad movie if there's like still something that I can find to enjoy, I can like even go back and watch it. I will never go back and watch this movie again. Like ever. Yeah, I have no interest in going back and seeing this. Um, so that's unfortunate because I do like, you know, I love a bad, a badass woman. So I haven't been this disappointed with the movie since I watched um, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, the animated movie. You know, Ooh, I hate it. I, you know, I know you I hated hate, that movie. I hated that. Hated that. Um, yeah. It's going it's going down there. <laughs> <laughs> Big yikes. Big yikes. I yeah, this movie is on a lower tier of the my list of overall like superhero movies. It was just not it just wasn't that entertaining. Let's do it again, you know? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's we'll let's, see. We'll see if they get a third see. one. Let's start it over, you know. Let's just hit on you. Let's let's move over. Let's just start moving everybody over to the Baddison universe, so we can start like just recasting everybody right now. Like, sure, yeah. Let's just completely just relaunch. Let's relaunch that whole thing. Just start it all over, and just completely. We can bring everybody back if they ever want to do like you know. They got um, their Snyder. They got their Snyder cut. They're fine. <laughs> exactly. If they yeah. want to do like a, a Justice Lords plot, you know, you don't want to bring people back or something. Sure, it's let's like, do that. But let's leave we'll, that universe over there. We done. We'll keep Shazam. We'll keep. We don't really got to keep him. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> I'm just don't saying, we really don't. Um, <laughs> that was a fun movie. It was, but we don't need to keep that. Either. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can keep Harley and the Black Canary. Um, yeah, we can keep both of them. We'll definitely keep Aldis as Hawkman. That's oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's that's gotta happen. The Rock is Black Adam. Uh, whatever. Yeah, I can give or take that. Um, but everybody else, cut the cord. Yeah, we can get rid of them and start fresh. <laughs> All right. Well, 
let us know what you guys thought about Wonder Woman 1984. Thanks. Like if you guys, you know, saw us tweeting along with the official watch party, that was a lot of fun. Um, some interesting takes that I saw from people. It didn't seem <laughs> as though everyone was as on board with it as I thought that they would be. Um, people seem to have the same kind of complaints as, <laughs> as we did. Um, but thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Another Relaunch. You can send us an email with any kind of questions, concerns. Uh, if you have your own relaunches, uh, we're going to start reading those on the show soon. Um, send those over at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and other social media at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me at Keenan Lance with an underscore at the end. Nice. I'm still loving that there's also one thing. <laughs> All right, I guys. I change it again. Now see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll catch y'all next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.